Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. So it's great. They signed me up. I'm talking to Probe. Uh, Mr. Dolan tells me he's got a great partner for me and Jeff Bankston. And I look at the forecast. Friday afternoon looks terrible. I mean, Friday morning was raining. So I call up. So my, my tea time still good for 1240. Sure. I time it out. I clean out everything from the golf bag. I get the umbrella. I'm alone on the range. I think everyone must be in the net room already out on the course. I go to the first tee. Oh, no, my tea time's 12.40 Saturday afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> well, you only missed by a day. This is General George Washington, and you're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. From Thomas Gifford in Denver, Colorado, Michael's story about his scheduling faux pas reminded me of a similar occurrence in my family. A few years ago, my grandma invited some family and friends we have in Montana to come down to Denver for a long weekend. They had scheduled a weekend full of activities culminating in seeing a performance of Les Mis at the Denver Center of Performing Arts. When my grandma and the Montana crew pulled up to the theater, they were confused to find the parking lot empty. My grandma looked at the tickets, double-checked the dates, and everything seemed to line up. The tickets said June 7th at 7 p.m., and they were there on June 7th at 6.30. They approached one of the lonely ticket workers, who, politely as possible, explained that while the play was on June 7th, it was scheduled for June 7th the following year. Anyway, hope this makes Michael feel a little bit better about the fact that he was only off by 24 hours. I've been a big fan of the show for years. Thank you for everything and you, the rest of the crew, do, with the obvious exception of Saliza. So they missed by a year. Yeah. They must really love Les Mis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Probably had Cone Wilkinson in the cast, though. I think that's probably true. All right, I have a lot of Maybe things. Maybe John Owen Jones. I have a lot of things to get to. And let me first start with wine glasses. And Mark Bove, or Bove, I'm not sure how this is pronounced, says, Hi, Michael. Can we get a mailing address to send Mr. Tony some wine glasses as a thank you for mentioning Orifors on the show? I mentioned Orifors because somebody sent me something saying that Orifors.com had beautiful glasses. And Orifors does they Orphors makes beautiful glasses beautiful glasses but coming to the rescue immediately was dave specter of bells up bells up one of the willamette dammit valley uh wineries that we recommend all the time bells up and willamette valley um so he writes dear mr tony and michael in the interest of saving the sanity of some poor offshore customer service representative trying to figure out how to convert American Express reward points to wine glasses. I'm sending these. They work best with my wine actually in them, but I guess you can put any wine in as well. Cheers and La Cheeserie Dave Spector, which is very, very nice. They're beautiful glasses. Beautiful. They are really beautiful. I'm not glasses. sure if it's an everyday glass, as Chan would say, but uh, can I double click into that? So we, we have the ability to see what's delivered through the front porch, a uh, little ring camera, and... I see a package get dropped off, and by dropped off, I mean thrown onto our steps. So I scurry out, and of course, Walker, who now is obsessed with presents and his birthday, which is coming up, follows me. I see that it's from I see that it's from Bells Up. I go, oh, I hope that's not the I hope that's not the big box. <laughs> so when I picked it up, I was like, I know what this is, and luckily, beautifully packed and saved. Beautiful. Have fun throwing out all those peanuts. Yeah, there's a million peanuts that came in the in the box <laughs> from Dave Spector. Um, okay, from Chuck Pinter in Gross Point Park. Michigan. Dear Dr. Hoffwaff, I need some golf course help. I'll be vacationing with the family from June 26th to July 3rd in Ocean City, Maryland. I see Rehoboth Beach is only an hour away. It's probably about 40 minutes. Can you or Michael suggest any courses in the area for a single-digit handicap? Also, I'd like to be the official State of Michigan golf correspondent for the show. I've played over 250 courses in Michigan alone, have played with the great Ed Butt, and would be happy to host you and Michael at my club. 
if you ever come to northern Michigan. So in in and around Ocean City, what's that course? That Lighthouse we, Sound. Lighthouse Sound. It, it's vast, and we played it about ten or twelve years ago. It's a very large course, and there's a, a couple of times where you it's wander scared, off into the woods, me. and it's like deliverance. Um, but it it was a pretty good course. I think that's Lighthouse Sound is probably the best in and around Ocean City. Or am yeah. I wrong on that? No, no, that? Th- you're you're right there. Check Bethany. There's the course that GW hosted that golf event that uh, that we Bear Trap Bear Trap Dunes. Bear Trap has three different nines. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, but I I think Lighthouse Sound is considered very good. There's a couple of other courses in Ocean City, you know. Or can you can uh, if you call me and I'm there, I'll take you to Rehoboth. But I'd if you're real good, you're going to play from the tips, and I'm going to play from the up forward tees. If you're real good, just so you know. I want to know more about this Michigan golf connection. There's a there is a nine holer in southern uh, d- down by the southern point of um, just below where the Hardwicks have their family house. But uh, it's a nine hole private little club that I always wanted to play. So Don't, Chuck Pinter, the, get back to us, right? Yeah. Chuck Pinter, get back to us in this particular thing. From Sean Reese, my friend Sean Reese, who writes June sixteenth. Is that today, June sixteenth, or is that yesterday? Today, today. June sixteenth will be an important day for the Tony Kornheiser podcast. It will mark the 10th anniversary of some hilarious wacko. Apparently, the guy's name is Benji Bronk. He's a Howard Stern regular telling Anthony Weiner, a.k.a. Carlos Danger, bye bye, pervert, as he resigned from Congress in a hastily called press conference while in the middle of a mayoral campaign. I have a very clear memory of being in the bullpen at the Today Show. He's a producer on Today Show at 30 Rock when all this happened. All of us gathered around a big screen, and there had been a lot of speculation that Wiener was going to resign, one because a picture of his engorged crotch was on the cover of the New York Post, and two because Obama had publicly told him to in an interview. This was sure to be a moment of high drama. And then just as he began, this guy blurts out, bye-bye, pervert. I laughed until I cried. It was just too much. I don't think I kept it together the rest of the day. Such an amazing piece of audio, skillfully peppered through the years into the show by Nigel. Bye bye, pervert. Six sixteen, two thousand eleven. Never, ever, ever forget. If I could, Sean writes, I'd send that guy to every high stakes press conference to say one thing and leave. <laughs> That's. Do we? Have, do you have a clip on that? Do you have a clip on that somewhere? I do, but I don't think I can play it from my computer for you guys. So oh, okay. I just, well, I just sent it to Sean. Point. Yes. At some point, you have to do that. Now, I also have something. Oh, um, this is tremendous. What I'm going to say now, okay? This is tremendous. Dad is just scrolling through his phone for this morning's opening, just so you know. Well, because, okay, because I got this. Point your finger up. No, Tracy Tracy wants me to do this. So here it is. Typing some sort of passcode. Yeah. Tracy says I have to do this. I'm going to do this. All right. But the toaster has arrived. The revolution toaster has arrived. It's sleek. It's beautiful. I have not used it yet. I have not. This comes from Bruce Levinson, who I think owns the company that sells these toasters. And the toaster is great, I'm told. The best toaster ever. Now, to me, a toaster is a toaster, but I'm willing to be surprised. Have you tried? It's plugged in. It's plugged in. No, I haven't tried it. It has an analog clock face. Friday, we're we're going to try it, and we're going to report on it. Friday. In Friday's show, nope. this is to get you to watch, to listen to Friday's show. Oh, that's a tease. That's a great that's a tease. tease. Okay. It, now you are you are very much toaster oven, right? I like took the toaster. To I took the toaster oven offline and put the toaster online because we don't have room for both. My toaster oven four minutes and thirty seconds for toast. A little bit butter right before it ends. No, nah, you know I don't have to. 
you know, but I'm going to toast a bagel on Friday, a Bethesda bagel bagel Cuts on Friday. Cuts inside or out? Inside. It tells you specifically inside. The, and it's, all, it's two slots, and the inside of the bagels must face each other. It's it's now the real it's test, revolution. The real test would be if you threw in one of those uh, free butcher box steaks. I'm not going to do that. The salt pepper. No, it's a toaster. It's not a toaster oven. It's a toaster. It's a limited capacity of very highly technical toaster. It does one thing. It toasts. What if we put it on its side and then you're getting that heat from from both angles? Oh, no, we're just going to try it out in the regular fashion and see if it's worth it. From Steve. Sturiali or Steve Sturiale, I'm not sure, in Arbutus or Arbutus, Maryland, which is up near Baltimore. My club, Rolling Road, was selected to host the 100th Maryland Amateur Golf Tournament. We also hosted the first Maryland Am. You've played in the Maryland Am, Michael. While the course is not very long, it is challenging mainly because of the greens. I got the chance to watch some very good golf over the weekend. I miss seeing you play, Michael. Because of the rain delay, the finals are being held, and they were held on the 14th, which was Monday the 14th. The two finalists are from Columbia, Billy Peel and Brad Whitaker. I'm sure if Mr. Tony tees it up with these two, he's getting plenty of dots. I'm getting over 35 from Billy. They won't play with you. It's crazy to play with me because I I start 150 yards in front of them and I end up 200 yards behind them. So I'd love hosting Michael and Tony if you want to come up and play sometime. You'd like to play Rolling Road. Yeah, it was great. We we followed the action and they had a lot of uh, members from Rolling Road playing in this as well. And when you describe that course, it sounds exactly like Columbia, just farther up the road. And just in terms of these generational shifts, it's great to see this next generation making the step getting into the finals, not just qualifying for match play, and then actually winning and beating Billy because Billy was the two-time defending champion. Oh, so Brad Whitaker won the tournament. And he's a kid. He's in college. He's in college. He plays at Georgetown, I believe. Okay. Have you played with him ever? Uh, I'm not sure if I've played with him in years, but but I've been out with him. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Good. Good. Um, So this is from Tracy. I can't reach Michael. Or Nigel to email, and you can't use a computer, so this is the hard way. On Thursday, June 17th, is that today? We've already established that today is the 16th. Okay, so on Thursday, June 17th, a virtual celebration for the National Building Museum Honor Award to global design firm Skidmore, Owings, and Merrill, SOM, for climate action, hosted by Tony Kornheiser. This is the thing that I did. I, I... read my parts. I went to the National Building Museum for, put my, on a suit. for my friend Brent Glass. I put on a suit and shoes. I dressed like an adult for the first Lace time shoes? in 16 months. Lace-up shoes. Hard shoes. A suit, a tie, everything. The suit was too big for me in all areas, but I put it on. Maybe the shoes are what hurt your Keynote foot. speakers are Cory Booker, a senator from New Jersey, Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti, uh, Ed Markey, senator from Massachusetts, and Carlisle Group co-founder David Rubenstein, who's one of the most charitable, philanthropic people in the world. Thursday night only, tomorrow night, the event is free to your podcast listeners. So if you want to watch this, it is a fundraiser for the National Building Museum, a very worthy cause. I'm not going to tell you how to spend your money. I don't do that. I don't tell you to spend money or how to spend money. But it is, indeed, it is a fundraiser for the National Building Museum, and it was filmed in the National Building Museum. You can go to NBM, National Building Museum Virtual, nbmvirtual.org to register, to watch this thing. You can use the code SPONSORGA, cap G, cap A, SPONSOR, cap G, cap A, SPONSOR GA. After the 17th, the program is $60. This is free. So you can watch it for free. And I would encourage you to go visit the museum, the National Building Museum, which is down near Judiciary Square. 
in um, in Washington D.C. It's you know, it's lovely. It's it's huge. It's made all of brick. The brick is painted on the inside. It's been around for over a hundred years. It's it's enormous. You can park an airplane in it. It's really big. It's open Friday to Sunday, 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. There's a museum shop website. It's got fantastic original stuff. It's a very cool building, and you can check that out on www.nbm.org, www.nbm.org. So, and I won't read the rest of it because Tracy then goes off on people. <laughs> she just gets nuts. But she, says, but she says, tell your listeners to enter the code sponsor GA in the box that says sponsor general access. So that's the code. It's a free invitation. Anyway, you should all do that. I think I've covered everything, and now I'm going to get out of here and get to uh, the commercial parts of our show. I thought you already got is, to the commercial parts. No. Is Steve Sands next, or is Pat Forty next? Pat Forty is next. Pat Forty is going to talk about watching his daughter try to qualify for the Olympics. It's a hard thing to do when we return. I am Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Policy Genius ad. Summer begins, they write it well. Summer begins this month and you know what that means. It's time to save on life insurance. That way you'll have a bigger budget for summer things like pool floats and hard seltzers. In fact, summer starts on the 20th or the 21st in a few days. Between Father's Day, Flag Day, and National Yo-Yo Day, the month of June has a lot going on. Thankfully, Policy Genius makes it easy to cross life insurance off your list so you can get back to yo-yoing. You know, um, Policy Genius makes it easy to compare quotes from over a dozen top insurers all in one place. You can save 50% or more on life. That's a lot on life insurance by comparing quotes with Policy Genius. You could save $1,300 or more per year on life insurance by using Policy Genius to compare policies. The licensed experts at Policy Genius work for you, not the insurance companies. So you can trust them to help you navigate every step of the shopping and buying process. Head to policygenius.com. In minutes, you can work out how much life insurance coverage you need, and you can compare personalized quotes to find your best price. When you're ready to apply, the Policy Genius team will handle the paperwork and scheduling for free. Policy Genius never sells your information to other companies. Head to policygenius.com to get started right now. Policy Genius, when it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is a very long email from our friend Michael Granberry, arts and feature writer at the Dallas Morning News. <clears throat> Guys, I bring you music this morning from an unexpected source, a man who has led a dual life, as it were. Tim Flannery spent 11 years as a player with the San Diego Padres, including as having played a memorable role in the team's comeback in the 1984 playoffs against the Chicago Cubs, whom the Padres defeated in the best-of-five series after being down 0-2. So, yes, Tim played a role in my all-time favorite Tony Kornheiser story. Tim and his teammates helped ruin the series for noted Cubs closer Lee Smith. Who can forget, deject this? Tim then spent 18 years as a coach with the Padres and the San Francisco Giants. As the team's third base coach, he helped lead the Giants to World Series titles in 2010, 2012, and 2014, which is why the title of one of his 13 record albums, yes, record albums, is Three Ring Circus, complete with a cover photograph of his three World Series rings. Tim is also a philanthropist. After a Giants fan was nearly beaten to death by Dodger fans outside Dodger Stadium in 2011, Tim played a series of benefit shows that helped raise money for the man's family and has used his music to aid anti-bullying and anti-violence programs across the country. I'll get to more of Tim's story in a little bit. His band is Tim Flannery and the Lunatic Fringe, and this is called Compass, and this plays in Pat Forty. 
And Pat Forty is in a situation that dads understand, although Pat's is a little bit more high stakes than most of us. All of us go to watch our kids play in one form or another. All of us are always nervous when our kids play. It's usually a little league game or maybe a high school game or maybe even a college game. But it's rarely on the high stakes of making the Olympic team. And Pat's daughter, um, Brooke, is trying out for the Olympics in swimming, which is on NBC every night. <laughs> every night it's on. Um, you're there, I assume, in Omaha covering it for Sports Illustrated. I'll ask you the dad questions first. What's it like, dad? <laughs> it is uh, unlike anything I've really ever experienced. It's incredible, uh, just an incredible thrill. Uh, it's, you know, just immense pride and this kind of surreal feeling that your kid is there on that stage. And then also sometimes crippling nerves. <laughs> and uh, it has been a lot of fun. We've had a lot of family here uh, watching it's been weird kind of bopping back and forth between different sides of the pool, Tony. Like, I'm on the reporter side when she's not swimming, and when she is swimming, I'm on the parent side and go sit and scream my brains out. But, uh, it's you know, she had an, it, they were taping this, uh, I think it's Wednesday morning. I don't even know what day it is for sure. But uh, Yeah, Wednesday morning. She's, yeah, so Wednesday night she'll swim for a spot if she's in the top four, an automatic spot. Uh, in the Olympics uh, as a relay swimmer. Uh, if she's top six, she's probably would make it in the 200 freestyle. So we're, we're going to wait and see. Okay. So I've written stories about this. Um, my inability to sit still watching my children play anything. I walked around. I tried to hide. I didn't. My daughter said, get out of here. Just get out of here. Stop watching me when she played softball. I rarely watched my son play golf. When I did, I was just really nervous. I watched him play in the Little League, you know, in the qualifying things for the Little League World Series. It gave me great pride, but I, along with a few other fathers, most of the fathers could sit in the stands, but some of us were, you know, down the right field line because we had to be moving all the time, and we didn't know what to say. We didn't know what to do. Do you have any of that? Um. Well, like, yes and no. Uh, I mean, I've always said this. One of the great things about swimming is, like, if you're yelling, they can't hear you. Can't Their hear heads you. heads are in the water. <laughs> right. <laughs> so right. You, it, it's a lot harder to make them nervous by projecting your nerves onto them. Uh, but, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I can relatively sit still, but it's funny. My sister-in-law who's here uh, from Minnesota was making fun of me because my leg just bounces like, you know, that nervous kind of energy, yeah. like, like uncontrollably. And then once the race starts, I pretty much have to stand up. And, uh, uh usually most meets like I, I, I have to have a, a pen and a heat sheet and I can write down splits and that gives me something to do. Like you said, where you feel like you have to be doing something, yeah. For this meet, the times just don't matter. It's all place. Are you in the top two and for sure going to the Olympics? Or in, in this case, for a relay, are you in the top four or not? Are you beating the people next to you or not? So I'm not writing down anything. That it's uh, it's just a totally different experience. Uh, but it's, you know, it, 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 as you said, I mean, it's the same nerves that I had when they were swimming in the summer league championships and when they were, you know, at a little neighborhood pool. Same nerves you have watching your kids play. Uh, so I think everybody can relate to that. 
do you stay away from her? Do you give her a pep talk? Do you stay away? What is your relationship with your daughter? And I'm not talking about, you know, you as a sports writer, you know, as a dad, how, at what point do you get out of her way? Oh, we're, we're way the hell out of her way because <laughs> she wants it that way. I mean, yeah. she pretty well, you know, will dictate those terms. And, you know, over the years we've been at this long enough, we've, you know, she, she, she's, first of all, she's way too far advanced and been doing, done this too much to need a pep talk from us or any advice or anything like that. Uh, and she, generally speaking, will read her. If she wants to talk about it, we'll talk about it. If she doesn't, we will talk about, you know, what she had for dinner. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, you know, these events, too, they're, they're relatively locked down most of the time. Uh, so we don't see her a lot, uh, except like last night, I mean, which was incredibly exciting. Uh, you know, texted us and said, hey, can, we, can, can I see you guys after right outside the arena? So like, heck, yes. Yeah. So we came out there and hugged her and walked across the street to her hotel and actually sat with her while she ate her dinner and talk some then, although that was, you know, 8% talking about swimming and 92% talking about other things. Um, so no, it's, that part of it's interesting. I mean, she's 22 years old now and she, she thankfully doesn't need advice or wisdom from us because I have none. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I, I understand that go over what she needs to do again and then tell us what you think the odds are. She'll be able to do it. Okay. So she's one of eight finalists uh, tonight for the 200 freestyle. Uh, she is seated fifth. So I think she's going to be in lane two, two or six tonight. Um, but Katie, her friend and teammate is Ledecky is seated first. The top two individual finishers will be on the Olympic team in the individual 200 freestyle. The top four will be on the Olympic team as relay swimmers in the 4 by 200 freestyle. The top six are likely to go with the fifth and sixth place as relay alternates, which means they would swim in the morning in Tokyo so that Katie Ledecky doesn't have to swim in the morning. Right, uh, right. They, they, their job would be to qualify the United States then for the finals in that event. So... Basically, we're, we're looking at this and saying, you know, get in the top six and we're on top of the world. Uh, it's going to be tough. I mean, she's fifth. She swam the best time of her life last night to, to be fifth. So she's got to bring that back and replicate it and hope that one of the girls behind her doesn't, or two of them don't move past her. Uh, and it's, I mean, it's close. It's going to be, as my son, oldest son said, said it's going to be desperately close because they're, you know, they're within tenths of each other for the most part this is a young woman who's going to go to medical school right so we don't have to worry about her for the rest of her life she knows what she's doing on the other hand this would be i mean how would it be if she doesn't make it how would it be if she does you know what i mean i'm sure you game that out in your head yeah yeah i mean she obviously yes in the grand scheme of things she will be perfectly fine uh and quite frankly i think she would be fine not if you know if she ends up seventh in this i mean she'd be obviously bitterly disappointed but it's not like her life plan was to make the olympics as a matter of fact i right. you know in my in my head jokingly said she she would be the reluctant olympian because she said many times she's kind of got this 
it's a, a little bit of a, a counterculture philosophy of like, you know, sports are too important. Why do people care so much about this? And so, you know, it would be kind of almost in a way, almost funny for her to be an Olympian. Um, so, you know, I mean, it's one of those things that she's put in enough work that, yeah, it would hurt badly if she doesn't get there. But at the same time, given enough space on the backside, if she doesn't make it, hey, life's good and life goes on. So now we'll see how take how long it takes mom and I to get over it. But I think we'd all be fine. Yeah. the tri- Maybe I'm wrong about this. It, it seems like the Olympics are going to start on Monday and the trials are just <laughs> right now. I, mean, I don't remember like the track and field trials. They haven't even had those yet, and the Olympics are it's just so close to the Olympics. So my question would be, is this because there's always that fear that there wouldn't be the Olympics, or are the trials usually this close? Yeah, they usually are, and it's funny. Oh. You know, I mean, for the U.S., at least, you know, I don't know about track, but for swimming, that's always, like, been counter to the logic of swimming, which is you need, after a big meet, you need time to get back at training base and, and try to rest and do it again, whereas – this short turnaround thing is kind of, kind of counterintuitive, but this is the way the U.S. has always done it, and it's always worked. And, you know, that's, whether that's just due to incredible talent or, you know, just an ability to make the quick turnaround happen from a coaching standpoint, it, it's the way America operates, and the results have been pretty good. So I, I take it then that the Olympics are not in doubt now. There's, go, there's going to be an Olympics, right? Or is, or is that still in the air? Yeah. No, I mean, I've heard nothing to indicate that it's uh, up in the air at all. It, you know, it, it's it's happening. I, I think that there was, you know, a pretty strong pushback from a lot of people in Japan for a while. But I think that's kind of just been, for, for lack of a better term, steamrolled by a, an attitude mm-hmm. of, no, this is happening. So <laughs> adjust accordingly. And then, you know, one of the big problems, they're just not very, they're vaccinated at like 4%, which is mind-boggling Whoa. to me. Whoa, four yeah, percent! Yeah, wow. Yeah. Uh, That's an I, industrialized country, one of the richest five countries in the world. Well, how is that possible? Sure, one of the most technologically advanced and ruthlessly efficient countries in the world. I, yeah. The answer that I've seen in reading things is uh, a they're they're not a huge vaccine sort of country to begin with, and b uh, that they they don't especially trust foreign vaccines. So I I don't think they okay. ever saw the vaccine the way the United States does of this is going to, you know, take care of things. I think that that was never really kind of part of their plan, which quite frankly, doesn't make sense to me, but that's where we are. Um, I'll ask you to put on your sports illustrated hat and reporter hat for a little while. How does Katie Ledecky look? She's, you know, cause all of these people have missed a lot of time all around the world. They've missed a lot of time. They haven't been able to train the way they normally train because of the pandemic. Does she look like, the dominant swimmer that she once was? Mm, I mean, she doesn't look like she did in 2016. No. And uh, frankly, you know, there's, there's a, a young Australian woman who's putting up faster times than she is in her shorter events in the 200 freestyle and the 400 freestyle. So Katie's going to be up against it there. Uh, I still think in the 800 and the 1500, she will be untouchable and she'll mm-hmm. be, you know, a key, key relay swimmer as well. I was out in Palo Alto and interviewed her, and it, that's another one. You know, it's kind of hard to interview, I mean, because I know her personally yeah. and, and then the family, yeah. and, you know, we're talking to the mom last night and everything, Mary Jen, but her, her mindset is great. You know, I mean, she's absolutely, she, it's not like she's, I, she hasn't 
suffered for lack of training to the point I don't think where she's she has any confidence crisis or anything like that. I think if anything, she was just so otherworldly good in 2016 that that was probably her her ultimate athletic peak. You know, everybody has it, and you may never be that right. good again. Michael Phelps in 2008 was better than Michael Phelps in 2012 or 16. Doesn't mean Michael Phelps wasn't still great. So, you know, if we're going to be sitting there saying, what's wrong with Katie because she didn't win five gold medals or because she didn't break world records, I, I, I think that would kind of be a little bit unfair to her. She's just a little bit older woman and has gone a little bit further than when she was at her absolute unstoppable best. And are we um, plagued by Ryan Lochte again, or are we not? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, I think by the time this is all said and done, Ryan Lochte will be not part of the Olympic team. I, I don't. I don't see that happening. I mean, he's. It's somewhat impressive that he's here at 36 and swimming yeah, relatively well, but he he can't compete at this level. It's sort of why I think Dara Torres is one of the greatest athletes of all time, because of for how long she was actually a great swimmer, like into her 40s, right, Dara Torres. Uh, yeah, forty-one. She made her last Olympic team. Um, and yeah, now she was a, she was a sprinter, which obviously you know the, the the further you go, the better off you are. As as us old folks know, don't don't ask me to do a lot. I can maybe do it do something pretty well for a little while, but don't ask me to keep going. <laughs> so right. no, uh, but but it was uh, that was amazing for sure. All right, I'll get you out of here. Thank you. Uh, go be nervous and 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 best of luck. Either way, I'm sure it'll be fine, but we're rooting for her to make the team. Thanks, Pat. I greatly appreciate it. Let me add this real quick, Tony. I have had so many people in person in Omaha or online say, hey, I am following your daughter through the Tony Kornheiser show, <laughs> and your ability to build that community is really cool and really awesome. So I appreciate it, and I appreciate you letting me get on to talk about my daughter. Tremendous. Thank you, Pat. Pat Forty, boys and Thank girls. You. Uh, we will take a break. We will come back with Steve Sands. Yes, do I have the order of the show right, Steve Sands, when we return? Yes, that is correct. Tremendous. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Summer is coming in hot, literally. Actually, summer is starting this Sunday, Father's Day. I think we can all celebrate together, right, Dad? Yes, except that I made a, a tea time to play golf, and I completely forgot it was Father's Day. And Michael said, oh, so you're going to play golf with Bud Giblin on Father's Day. And I went, oh. I, well, at least uh, we have Saturday. Uh, but with no, the I'm playing with Grilly. Oh, no. <laughs> with the undies, breathable and soft to sec fabrics, you could soak up the sun and feel cool for the summer. With a mix of classic colors and adventurous prints, perfect for summer, express yourself in your own unique way. Because MeUndies believes that your comfort is about more than what's just um, what's near your skin. It's about feeling comfortable <laughs> in your skin. I saved it. Yeah. Uh, designed to be the softest thing you've ever worn, MeUndies are ener energized by creativity and made for self-expression. Uh, again, try out the Breathe collection for uh, the summer heat. Also, the new soft stretch organic cotton. And they have all these uh, seasonal prints, including their uh, their Pride collection. Available in sizes from extra small to 4XL, MeUndies has countless styles and prints to choose from, so your buns can have more fun. MeUndies has a great offer for Tony's listeners for any first time. So your buns can have more fun? Yeah, so your buns can have more fun. Okay. Yeah. yeah, well, let's go back to that. 
Uh, MeUndies has a great offer for Tony's listeners. For any first-time purchasers, you get $15 off and free shipping. MeUndies also has their problem-free philosophy. If you're not satisfied with any product for any reason, they'll refund or exchange it. No caveats, no questions. To get your 15% off your first order and free shipping, go to MeUndies.com slash Tony K. That's MeUndies.com slash Tony K. It's a wonderful read. Thanks, Dad. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Once again, this is Tim Flannery and his bluegrass band, The Lunatic Fringe. Tim recently played two songs at a tribute show in memory of Jerry Jeff Walker in Lukenbach, Texas, where the headliners included Emmylou Harris and Jimmy Buffett. And he has given his permission in the email below to have you play two of his songs, both from the album Three Ring Circus. I also want to commend Tim, Michael Granberry writes, for having been so kind to our mutual friend, the late, great Bobby Greiser, a photographer. I hope I pronounced that right, Greiser, not Greaser, I don't know. A photographer of the Los Angeles Times. In Bobby's final months, Tim was often at his bedside, and he played at Bobby's funeral. Bobby could bark exactly like a loud, ferocious dog and would do so often in our L.A. Times San Diego Bureau, scaring the <laughs> pants off anyone with an earshot. Bobby Hale from Annapolis, Maryland, would have loved the sentence in his obituary that reads, He barked at seven presidents, the queen, and the pope. Kudos to Tim Flannery for including Bobby's voice and bark in the retro, in the intro to his song, Road to Recovery. And now Tim has given you permission to play Compass and Three Ring Circus. Three Ring Circus is, is the song that's playing now. Michael, if people like Tim Flannery want to send us their original music, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at com. Steve Sands joins us now. He's getting up very, very early in California and San Diego. Uh, where the U.S. Open will start tomorrow. And there are two questions that are worth asking. Uh, one, we'll start with the, the DeChambeau-Kepka question, and then we'll go to Phil Mickelson, because those are the questions on the top of everybody's mind. The USGA did not pair DeChambeau and Kepka for the first two rounds. Uh, I, they don't like each other, I think it's fair to say. It's possible that Kepka actually hates DeChambeau. Brad Faxon said the USGA tried to do that. That has been denied. What do you know about this, and what are your overall thoughts about it? Yeah, I thought that uh, the rumor that they were asked uh, what they wanted to do was a little bit strange. I cannot imagine the USGA going to one of them or both of them. Both of them, by the way, Tony, U.S. Open champions. I cannot imagine them going to them and asking their opinion. So... You know, forget that part of it. I, I don't think that part of it's true. I would have put them in the same group because I thought it would have been really cool to get that kind of attention, not just from Golf Channel and NBC and people in the golf space, but PTI, ESPN, SportsCenter, you know, the Today yes. Show, that kind of stuff would have really talked about it. So I thought it would have been cool, but they uh, they took the safe route, a very golf-like route to take and not have that type of uh, – hysteria around here, but I thought it would have been pretty cool to have them together, don't you? I, uh, well, I, I am of two minds of this, and I will explain this, because we talked about it yesterday on PTI. Wilbon hates DeChambeau. I say that in this particular case, DeChambeau is the aggrieved party and Kepka is the antagonist. I said I would love to have seen it, but it's not the WWE. It's not Don King, and I didn't think... this. My point was, I didn't think it was fair to DeChambeau as defending champion to have to go out right. there and try and defend the championship and be a monkey in a media circus. So I, I thought it was unfair from that regard, even though I would like to have seen it. What do you feel about that? I thought you were the one who always told me, A, 
the answer to all your questions is money. And B, yes. it's a TV show, Jerry. <laughs> so if it's yes. a TV show <laughs> a t- and yes. all, the, and all right. the answers to your questions is money, then let's, let's say, hey, fellas, we're putting you with Patrick Reed, who just wanted Tory Pines in January <laughs> in a bit of a controversial fashion. We're going to put you with a two-time U.S. Open champion and a defending champion together. And we're going to ratchet this thing up and get attention on the event. I, I thought it would have been cool. Hey, look, at some point they're going to play together. Uh, they could be paired together on Saturday or Sunday. Now, that's not a manufactured pairing. That would be because of the way they played. So I right. understand that part of it. But right. to me, I would have just said, hey, why not? Let, let's, let's get everybody talking about the U.S. Open, talking about golf, not always talking about Kevin Durant and what the Nets did and the Stanley Cup playoffs and the baseball uh, regular season that's going on in various markets around the country. Let's get everybody talking about golf a little bit. I thought it would have been, I thought it would have been pretty cool, and I don't think it would have been some type of circus because at the end of the day, Tony, they've got to compete, they've got to play, and I don't think it would have been fair or unfair to have them play together the first two days or not play together the first two days. It happens to your knowledge. Do they? Yes, no, I know. Those are structured. That's time. right. No, you're 100% right. They, they, put, um, they put the University of Illinois in the same bracket deliberately with Loyola of Chicago. And they got, right. you know, they got the second round match. I think the second round match they wanted. Do you, when you look at that, do they actually dislike each other? Or is it mostly Kepka or is it mostly DeChambeau or is it even? No, I think it's pretty even. Um, but I like what, I remember I've told you before that if you had to go out and have a beer with any golfer on the PGA Tour, it would be Kevin Kisner. I've told you that before. Kevin Kisner yes. summed it up last week. Hey, let's lose the social media fellas and just duke it out. <laughs> Forget the verbiage <laughs> and, the, and, the, and the written word and social media and all that. Go, you know, go, go, go get in each other's faces a little bit if you're going to have that little tete-a-tete back and forth. Forget social media, man. You know, act, act like grown men and get it over with. But yeah, they don't like each other, but you know, Tiger and Phil famously didn't get along you know, early in their careers, Tony. And Jack and Arnie didn't get along uh, early in their careers. They became very, very close friends. I don't think Brooks and Bryson are going to become close friends. But there's nothing wrong with not liking someone who you either A, compete against, uh, or B, who you work with. I mean, not everybody's going to get along, but the social media stuff seems a little bit like more of the wussification of America <laughs> through social media and all that kind of stuff. Just enough with the social media guys grow up. Let me get to, I mean, this is a wonderful little story to Shambo and Captain, right. and maybe a big story, as you say, by the weekend, but the big story actually is Phil Mickelson. This is the course that he grew up on and it's a bigger story because he won the PGA in a totally unexpected fashion. And now if he were to win this, and have seven majors and a U.S. Open and the career Grand Slam, then he'd probably be in everybody's top 10 all time in terms of being a golfer. But I, what I wonder about is everybody talks about how he grew up on Torrey Pines, but the, the course has been redone. Is it the same course or is it different? No, it's totally different. So the U.S. Open kind of aside God, the doctor of, of architecture is a guy named Reese Jones. When Torrey Pines wanted to get a U.S. Open, which they ended up getting for the first time ever in 2008, 
they were basically told you need to redo your golf course uh, and you need to make it a little bit tougher, a little bit longer, uh, change it up a little bit, make it more U.S. Open-like. So they did not call Phil Mickelson to redesign the golf course, the North and then the South. They had Reese Jones do the South. That didn't sit well with Phil, who's born and raised here, is a legend uh, golf-wise, sports-wise in this community, uh, has stayed in this community, still lives here um, full-time with his family. And he won here, Torrey Pines, at the Farmers Insurance Open three times very early in his career when he did not receive the bid to redo the golf course, when he found out that Reese Jones got it, and then when Reese Jones redid it, it just didn't look right to him. The, the sight lines and the way it was done, um, it was done perfectly fine. Everybody likes Torrey Pines. It just didn't sit well with Phil. He has not performed well here since then. So he's three wins on this golf course, and it's his hometown. And he's trying to win the career grand slam, and he's been a six-time runner-up at the U.S. Open. He's only five other guys that have ever won uh, the career grand slam. He could become the sixth. Winning a seventh major would be putting himself in a completely different category as well. But, man, he, he just doesn't like this particular golf course. However, he said he's learned how to play it in the last couple of weeks, more so than he has in the last 15 years uh, because of the way he performed at Kiowa, Tony. So if he goes about his business this week differently than he has at Torrey Pines the last 10 or 15 years, then sure, why not? He could play well here. But if he reverts back to trying to overpower it and play the way he had always played Torrey Pines with all that success, then he will not play well this week. And that's why it's so key to see that he, he looks like he's still going to be using that mini driver to try and find yep. those fairways because when you try and do the bomb and gouge, particularly with that very thick Kikuya that is throughout some of the rough areas as it creeps because it's an invasive grass, and you get these bunkers that are designed to be a little flatter or easier to get out of as you get closer to the fairways when you get a little bit wider, that's when you get some of those you know little scalloped edges that you really can't clear as easily. Yeah, totally agree. He, he needs to play the way he played at Kiowa, not the way he's used to playing here at Torrey Pines. That's not easy to do. It sounds easy, but it's not easy to do when you're a great player like Phil Mickelson. So it'll be interesting to see how he uh, gets his way around the golf course strategically. So are, are you suggesting that the hardest thing to overcome for Phil Mickelson at Torrey Pines will be his attitude towards the course vis-a-vis how he likes to play a course rather than something physical? Is it going to be psychological more than physical? Well, I, I think it's always a physical test. But I also think, Tony, it, it's a mental grind for him. Here at Torrey Ponds, give you an example. When, when Tiger was rolling along uh, and winning everything and winning all the time and the best player in the world, when he got injured and he came back, I remember him telling me when he won five times in 2013, Player of the Year, he won the Players' Championship that year. It looked like he was completely back and healthy. I remember him saying it took him so long to recognize that he could not play, because they play the same golf courses every year, play the same tournaments relatively, uh, the same tournaments every single year. Tiger told me he had to adjust playing these same courses because he couldn't play them the same way now that his body wasn't the same as it was before all of the injuries. So mm-hmm. Phil's, not, Phil's not injured. So that was a mental hurdle for Tiger, Tony. Phil's not injured, so it's not analogous to the situation that Tiger was in way back when. But it is from a mental side, because from the collarbones up, 
Phil still thinks he can overpower the golf course. He still thinks he can, as Michael alluded to, bomb and gouge. You can't do that here. You must be more of a tactician here and get yourself in the fairway. So if he can get over that hurdle and play more like a tactician like he did at Kiowa Island as opposed to trying to just overpower the place, you can still bomb it when you have the opportunity. But you can't do that every single time here. And if he gets over that and plays well like he did in South Carolina a couple of weeks ago, there's no reason he can't play well. And if it's his time, it's his time. But I just don't think the golf course matches up uh, well with him. And I, and I also think it's so hard to win back-to-back majors. I just can't imagine you doing that. At 51 years of age, he turns 51 today, Tony. Today's his birthday. Uh, that, that's just a tall order, a tall ask to me. But you never know. Phil's an all-time great player, so you never count him out. Who would be the people that you would, uh, you would think would be at the top of the board by Sunday? Who are you picking? Well, well, I think that if you're going with the horsepower and the, and the official world golf ranking, and those kind of guys, I think John Rahm should play well here. He has a PGA Tour win here. He's playing very well. He had that crazy incident at the Memorial. Um, John Rahm should play well here. Bryson DeChambeau should play well here. I think Rory McIlroy should play very well here. You don't need a lot of wedges at this golf course. That's the weakness of Rory's game. Uh, you're going to have a lot of seven irons and six irons and eight irons. Not a lot of wedges. Uh, so if he drives the ball the way he should, uh, he should give himself a chance. So Bryson, John, Rory, and then if you want to go a little bit off the board, Mark Leishman is a phenomenal player who plays well at majors, has never won one, uh, has come close. Uh, he has a win here on this golf course uh, at the Farmers Insurance Open. I think Mark will play well this week, and I think Jason Kokrak will play well this week. You've got to be in the fairway, as Michael said, but you also need to hit it long. And the guy who has the number one, I'm not a huge statistics guy, but the guy who has the number one um, statistic, statistical ranking combined between distance and accuracy is Kokrak. He has a win this year. He has a win last year at the CJ Cup in Las Vegas. So he has two wins in the last year. Those are his first two wins ever on the PGA Tour. And he has the best combined stat number of distance and accuracy, and that's something that's going to be vital here this week at Torrey Pines. So if you're going to go way off the board, I'd go Kokrak. Uh, a little bit off the board, Mark Leishman, and then three big-time guys, Rom, Bryson, and Rory should play well here this week. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We'll talk to you next week when it's all over. Is that okay? Thank you for waking yeah. up early. Of course, be on the East Coast next week. I'll talk to you anytime you want. <laughs> that's good. Steve Sands, boys and girls. Thank you, Steve. Okay, guys. Take care. Have a great week. All right. We will uh, come back with email and jingle. And wait till you hear who does the jingle. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Here come Tony's post Become a diner, emails, faxes, and Ehrennoten. Here come Tony's post this is Dan Byrne. Dan Byrne who writes, just what you needed. Tony's mailbag in German. <laughs> Vielen Dank. Dan Byrne. 
How great is Dan Burr? He's just so great. All right, uh, Nigel, uh, Bethesda Bagelland, please. Yes, before I get to that, I want to say that I confirmed with Dan that he is booked to open seven shows for one Roger Daltrey in the West Coast. It's unbelievable. Late August, early September. He assures me if that tour moves east, he will let us know, and he'd love to see us there. But that's just fantastic. What else is fantastic is Bethesda Bagels. We love them. You will as well. All you need to do is go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you, then pop on in, and you'll be thrilled. Do you think Roger Daltrey is familiar with the work of Barry Bonds that, that Dan Burns <laughs> sings about? Do you think he is? Do you think Roger Daltrey from England knows about all these sports things that Dan Byrne does? Today's the day the hens are having a party for their favorite hen, Henrietta Esmeralda. Yo, so wild. Chase, that's the name of their favorite so hen. So wild. That's who's getting a party. Yep. <laughs> I guess that's it Stand for by. us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me say I woke up in a Soho doorway. I don't know this. A policeman knew my name. He said, you can go sleep at home tonight if you can get up and walk away. I staggered back to the underground, and the breeze blew back my hair. I remember throwing punches around and preaching from my chair. Well, who are you? Is that Dylan? What no, is that's, that? uh, that's the who. That's who are you by the who. Oh, is that right? Yep. I don't know fine. those words at all. You know, I know the line that you can't say on the air of who the <laughs> blank are you. But I didn't yes. know this. Okay, that's great. Okay. Uh, thanks to our guest today, Steve Sands, Pat Forty. Thanks to our sponsors, Me Undies, Policy Genius. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through iTunes, please leave us a review. From Dylan, Dylan Reese, or Dylan Reese in Los Angeles. This is coming at you over a week late, but I wanted to reach out and say how much joy I got from hearing the episode with Jeannie on site. Wow, that was great. I'm not sure whether you plan to go back to a traditional studio or not. But even if the show remains at Uncle Benny's table, I cannot overstate the magic that happens when Jeannie is in the room with you. I'd love to have some combo of her, Gary, David, Tori, Leon, and yes, even Saliza physically present with you at every taping. Your interplay with your beloved co-host is what makes the show special. It's true for all of them, but Jeannie and Gary most of all. I hope that becomes a daily feature once again. Boy, do we have good news for you, Dylan. Uh, Sean was here. I didn't see him, but he was here yesterday, and he dropped off two new microphones. And we are going to experiment with putting three and four people around Uncle Benny's table, fully vaccinated people, where the CDC says you can do something like this. Windows are open anyway. Um, and we'll see if it works. We'll start slow and then we'll expand and we'll probably end up doing more news because that's the segment that gets us all involved. So we'll see. We'll see. From Jared Schofer in Washington, D.C. He's walking across America and he writes, well, I wanted to walk more, so I walked across America. I covered almost 3,000 miles in 89 days and managed to avoid any encounters with squawking birds. It was incredibly difficult, like doing a PTI show without an X chair. There were several harrowing bridge crossings where I thought to myself, Mr. Tony would not like this. The entire adventure is worthy of being chronicled in a poem by Louise Gluck. I wanted to thank you for <laughs> promoting what I was doing and thank all the littles who donated to the cause. We managed to raise over $42,000 for cancer research, and you certainly played a part in that. You played a part in that. You walked across America. I barely walk my dog in my own neighborhood. <laughs> Congratulations on, on, on an enormous accomplishment. From Alex Cloninger, assistant professor, Department of Mathematics, and Halasiaglu Data Science Institute, University of California, San Diego. I'm pronouncing that wrong. Sorry for the late email. I'm a couple of days behind on listening. Last Friday, someone wrote in about the 220-year plague of cicadas that Missouri had in 1998. Two quick comments on this. I was there and it was awful. We literally couldn't sit outside for approximately two months of the summer. The local pool was so filled with cicada shells that the lifeguards had to clean it out pretty much every half hour. 
fun number fact of the day, the reason level of plague only happens 200, every 221 years is because 13 and 17 are both prime numbers, and hence they are also co-prime. This means there's no number larger than them that contains both as a factor until you reach their product. Michael, you understand that. I don't. Hope the infestation in D.C. ends soon. I think the infestation is almost over. Feels like The it. noise level today is so much Way lower. Down. So much lower than before. Perhaps it's because it's a cool morning. Perhaps it's because it rained about 36 hours ago. We had a huge storm. I don't know. Huge. But it is way down. From Andrew Levy. I've been a longtime watcher of the PTI program and a loyal little since the radio show's transition to podcast form. At 23, I might not be in the Target demo, but I love hearing everyone discuss sports and the intricacies of DC life. However, my favorite segments are the biannual deep dives into your former life in Hewlett, as I am a graduate of Hewlett High School class of 2015. Maybe we passed each other in the hallway. I don't think so. <laughs> it's surreal hearing someone talk about Dairy Barn. They dropped the dairy, now just called the barn and a lower tower. Last week, I went into the restaurant called Across Broadway on the corner of Broadway and Franklin Avenue. I know that well. On the counter was the attached picture displayed of Hewlett Dairy Grocery Appetizers. I asked my parents about it, who have lived in the neighborhood for over 30 years, and they have never heard of it. So who better to ask about another ancient Hewlett landmark than my favorite TV personality? Thank you for everything. Hope even if you do not recognize this tour, it could at least lead to another segment on the history of Hewlett. I don't know. I don't know Hewlett Dairy Grocery Appetizers. That's after my time. I don't know that. Um, I know the Dairy Barn. I know Schmieders. I know Harry's. You know, I know places like that that were there in the 50s and the 60s. And I left in the 70s. That's a long time ago. So I can't help you with that. But it feels so good knowing that somebody is from Hewlett and walk those. They are the same hallways that I walked. People are wearing different clothing, but they are the same hallways. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you uh, if you and Smilo. Yeah. Me and Jim Smilo, the, the driver's ed teacher. Yeah. Teeny, got any more of those cigarettes? Marlboro Greens? If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. So today I'm announcing my resignation from Congress. Yeah! There you go. There you go. Where do you go when the rainbow fades? The dreams you chased are lost out in the night. Where do you run when the morning comes? It's all undone and the struggle's now the fight. highest mountain when you rode the biggest wave where do you go to just surrender from being the prisoner from being the slave
get you lost or lead you home.
Through the tears of the clown. 